What's up, everyone? Welcome back to NFL Only here on Spark Talk, and today we will be recapping the seventh week of the NFL season. Uh, there isn't a lot of news except for uh, Des Bryant signing with the Ravens, which I think it's a good signing for him. It gives him a red zone target uh, to pair up with uh, Mark Andrews in the red zone, so I think it's a good signing for the Ravens. But uh, with that out of the way, we'll get into the games. And the first game we'll go over is the Giants. At the Eagles, uh, the Thursday night football game, and this was a this was a really good game, a surprisingly really good game here. Uh, there was offense, there was defense, there were some bad plays as you expect from teams that only have one win this season. Uh, but it was, I think it was a uh, Daniel Jones. I think it was a top three game by him in his career. He had a, I think his first start against Tampa last season. I think that was probably his best game of his career. This one, I think, goes into, like, the top three. Um, he looked uh, accurate. Uh, he The ball comes out of his hand very good, and he can read a defense. Uh, it's just the the offensive line is just absolute garbage. Uh, he got sacked three times. He got hit. Uh, he got hit ten times in the game, or ten quarterback hits, but that doesn't even account for how many pressures he got. Uh, he was scrambling for his life. Both quarterbacks were actually Wentz and Daniel Jones were both scrambling for their lives throughout the whole game. Uh, but it's it's one of those things where Daniel Jones, I think, if he gets a better offensive line, he's a Pro Bowl type of quarterback. But the offensive line is just so bad that it. I don't know if he'll actually be the franchise quarterback for the Giants. Maybe another team, but I don't know about the Giants because... They're they're just not protecting him. He he's going to get injured eventually because he just takes all these hits. And uh, yeah, it's just one. It just uh, they need to get him. They need to get him some protection. They need. They really do need to get him some protection. But uh, Jason Garrett, I think, needs to add him to the run game a little bit. Uh, he looks really good in the run game, like scrambling. Uh, for first downs, and he had the obviously he had the big run game or the run play where he tripped over his own feet, uh, ran too fast and got tripped up. Uh, but I think if they utilize him more in the run game, I think they're I think they're going to open some stuff up in the pass game because uh, last couple games he's been their leading rusher and. And, and hopefully that can open up some stuff for uh, Wayne Gallman, which he actually did later in the game. Uh, where we've seen uh, Wayne Gallman start to get going. Uh, Daniel Jones's mobility uh, and the read option helped uh, helped open up some stuff for uh, Wayne Gallman and Deion Lewis uh, in the game. Uh, I think Devonta Freeman got injured like halfway through the game. So, yeah, I, just, I wish Jason Garrett would use... Daniel Jones more in the run game. I think it would open up some stuff in the pass game a lot easier for him. Uh, also, the Giants just don't have a clear-cut number one receiver. Uh, Sterling Shepard, uh, Golden Tate, and Darius Slayton are all number two wide receivers. Uh, and they don't have like the game-changing ability like an Odell or D-Hop or Julio Jones. They don't have that game-changing ability. And I think the Giants just need somebody like that on the team. Uh, they're all solid wide receivers, but they're not a game-changing wide receiver that you kind of need on your team, and I think it hurts him a little bit because he doesn't have the protection 
So he doesn't have the ability what Deshaun Watson had uh, to throw up to DeAndre Hopkins when uh, he's getting pressured and he's just trying to make a play happen. Daniel Jones doesn't have that luxury of doing that. Uh, and he usually has to take a sack where he throws an interception because he's getting rushed. Um, also, Evan Ingram, man, the dude has so much potential. He has so much potential, and he just can't, like, he has the most drops by a tight end, I think, since he entered the league, uh, and that drop killed them. That drop absolutely killed them at the end of the game, because that would have set them up for uh, a field goal, and they probably win the game, because what Doug Peterson did on the first two-point conversion uh, was uh, off, was not a good play call, running it with... Uh, Carson Wentz there, and then the second one was still, I didn't like the call either, having Jalen Hurts in the, I think the monster formation is what it's called, and having him roll out, I just didn't, I didn't like that play call either, so I think the Giants win the game if Evan Ingram catches the football, I think he wins the game, and, or they win the game because it'll be 24-22, but he didn't, and that's just, that's been his problem, that's been his problem, him and Eric Ebron, are both the same, where Eric Ebron's starting to realize his potential a little bit. He's starting to minimize those drops. Uh, Evan Ingram has, still hasn't figured that out yet. Uh, we'll go on to the Eagles here, and uh, Carson Wentz carried them once again. He carried them once again. He had a great game besides the uh, red zone interception where he rolled out to the left, and I think he was just trying to make a play happen. And he just threw, he just threw an interception, which... Uh, we I'll, I've been comparing him to Andrew Luck here lately, and Andrew Luck did the exact same thing with the Colts, where he just tried to make too many plays. Uh, he just tried to make too many plays happen, and it ended up uh, costing uh, the Colts games, or uh, it end, not ended up because he's such a great player, he was able to put the team on his back and win the game, so... Carson, like, Carson Wentz just, I think he needs to stop trying to make a game-changing play every time and just take the easy stuff. Because I think that was a, if I'm not mistaken, I think that was a, the interception came on a third down. They were in the red zone. Uh, let me see real quick. Uh, it was a second and 15, so all he had to do was just throw it away, be third and 15, and they uh, have another shot. If they don't get it, they can go and kick a field goal. And then go up thirteen to uh, was it thirteen to yeah yeah they could have gone out thirteen to seven uh, at the half but they didn't though uh, and that just I think that was another issue for Philadelphia this uh, this week they had three failed red zone opportunities the interception uh, the missed field goal before half which Jake Elliott is has been a reliable kicker for the last three years for him. And this year, he just can't hit anything for some reason. It's just an off year for him. Uh, and then and then the, uh, I think it was in the third or fourth quarter where they couldn't, uh, let me see here real quick, where they couldn't punch it in the, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was at the end of the, or at the start of the fourth quarter where they couldn't punch it in on the goal line. Uh, and they gave it up on downs. Uh, so just three failed red zone opportunities where I think, Philadelphia wins this game by more 
if they convert those and if they're more consistent ver uh, converting those. And it, it just made the game a lot harder for them to win, just not making the most of red zone opportunities. Uh, Philadelphia's defense is pretty solid. Uh, I would like to see them against a good defense uh, and play extremely well against it. We've seen the 49ers where they played extremely well, where they didn't, or 49ers were banged up with injuries. They didn't have Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think Raheem Mostert was playing, and they were able to pull out the win in that one. And then the Giants are are one of the worst uh, offenses in the league. They're bottom five in like every category. So they uh, like Philadelphia. I'd like to see them more, but the pass rush uh, needs to get like the, that needs to get better. My bad. The pass rush is really good. Uh, they're they're getting pressure on quarterbacks even against. Uh, I think it was against, uh, they were getting pressure on Lamar and Big Ben uh, the last couple weeks, and they're continuing continuing with that, uh, getting pressure and everything. The weakness is coming in the linebacking core and the DBs for Philadelphia, and they're getting beat constantly, and it's it's still been, it's still one of those issues, like Darius Slay, they got him in the offseason, they traded for him uh, from Detroit, and... You thought he would, he's an all-pro corner, you thought he would uh, boost up the secondary and make it a lot better, but it just hasn't been that. Uh, they're still struggling to defend uh, the pass game. They're, they really are. They're, they're really struggling to defend the pass game. Uh, but all in all, it was just a, I think it was a good win. It was a good gritty win by this Philadelphia team, a game that they needed, that they definitely needed. They couldn't afford to lose uh, go 0-2 in the division. They couldn't afford to do that. So, good win to get them 1-1 in the division. I think that puts them at the lead, uh, if I'm not mistaken, with the uh, most wins, uh, and are tied for the uh, most wins in the division this year. Uh, I think Washington's 1-1 and Dallas is 1-2 uh, or something like that. So, uh, it puts them at a good advantage for a tiebreaker later on in the year. Uh, but Carson Wentz is just a baller. Uh, he he carried this team again to a uh, win, and he he doesn't deserve near the hate that he gets. He doesn't deserve any of it. The dude carries his team. I think the only thing he does bad is he tries to make too many plays happen uh, when he doesn't need to, uh, and needs to live for or needs to play for another down, or he needs to you know play for. Uh, I'm butchered that saying, but uh, live the fight for the next down. That's what he needs to do. So. He, uh, besides that though, he's just, he's a phenomenal quarterback. He's a top ten quarterback in my opinion, and he's literally carrying this team. Uh, so we'll go on to uh, Carolina at New Orleans, and this was a it was just a really good game. There was a lot of really good games this week. Uh, maybe the best week of football uh, yet this year. Uh, just f some phenomenal games, uh, but. Uh, I think the one thing to take away from this game is uh, Carolina came in as one of the worst uh, pass rushing teams in the league. Uh, they don't get to the quarterback that often, and Drew Brees, and that played the that played to Drew Brees' advantage. Uh, he didn't have a lot of pressure on him in the game, and he was able to pick apart their uh, zone defenses and uh, push the ball down the field pretty easily. Uh, also, Alvin Kamara. Uh, that dude's just a baller. Uh, he's just a baller. Uh, had uh, what did he ha what, what did he have? He had 
14 carries for 83 yards, a six average, or six yards a carry average. And then he had eight receptions for 65 yards. The dude's just a baller. He's the greatest dual threat uh, running back since probably, uh, we can argue him and Christian McCaffrey, but Christian McCaffrey's been banged up this year a little bit, but he's probably the best dual threat running back since uh, Marshall Falk. Uh, he's just a baller. He is amazing uh, to watch. And he just had broke so many tackles where Carolina had him for about like a three or four yard loss and he turned it into a five yard gain. He's, he's one of the best at doing that. I think him and David Montgomery, and I may be blanking on somebody here, but they're two of the best uh, running backs that break tackles. Uh, David Montgomery just has a bad offensive line. We'll get into that. But you cannot, the dude's like, slicked up in uh, Vaseline or something, and he's, it's hard to tackle him. Everybody just slips off of him, uh, and he's able just to literally carry carry yard, yardage on his back where the offensive line doesn't block well or it's just a bad play call. It's supposed to be a five-yard loss and turns it into a five- or eight-yard gain, and it sets up New Orleans very well and in situations and uh, early down and early down situations. But... Uh, Carolina did struggle with the run as well. I think this is more on Carolina's defense. They just weren't able to uh, weren't able to uh, stop New Orleans' offense. New Orleans never punted in this game. The only time they stopped them is when Brian Burns got a strip sack on Drew Brees. Uh, that was the only time they stopped them. Uh, but New Orleans never punted in this game, and this had to do with the lack of pass rush which allowed Drew Brees to pick apart Carolina's defense. And Carolina, one of the worst running defenses in the league, had a good week against the bad offensive line in the Bears last year, uh, last week. But this week, they, uh, but this week uh, the Saints averaged 5.2 yards per carry between uh, Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara, and Latavius Murray. They just dominated in the run game, and, were able, and the Carolina wasn't able to stop it. Uh, and you've seen that, particularly in that last drive where uh, Joey Sly missed a 65-yard field goal, which he almost made it. Which I thought I thought it was going in at first. That was that was insane. He almost made that uh, field goal, but Carolina just wasn't able to stop uh, the run game at the end of the game and uh, allowed New Orleans to chew out the rest of the clock. But uh, on the positive notes for uh, Carolina. Uh, Teddy B, I think, had one of his best performances of his career, uh, and this is the best, I think it's the best he's looked ever in his career, except for the seven, eight-game stretch he had with New Orleans last year, where he looked phenomenal. Uh, he's looking really good this year. Him, uh, DJ Moore, uh, Curtis Samuel, and Robbie Anderson, uh, all have a, he has great chemistry with all of them, and... Yeah, he just looks phenomenal. He looks accurate. Uh, his knee looks good with him scrambling. He looks fast, and he's reading the v- field very well. Which you would think that may uh, that may have hurt him a little bit being out for three years. He doesn't get that play, uh, playing time where uh, it just gets a lot easier to read the field. But it seems like he's just reading the field re- really well, and he's able to and he's being very accurate with the football. Uh, but the Panthers just need CMC back. They need uh, Christian McCaffrey back. He. Uh, uh, it's just going to open up stuff more for uh, DJ Moore, Anderson, and Curtis Samuel. So they just need him back. They need him healthy. I think he's practicing this week. 
which is a big plus for Carolina. Because uh, if you get him back, this Carolina team, what they're cl- uh, like, they're clicking right now uh, on the offensive end. I think it's just going to be harder to stop. Uh, the first couple weeks of the season, like uh, if they're clicking, like they did. Uh, let me see who they played the first. I know they played Tampa week two. Uh, yeah, they played the Raiders and they played the uh, Buccaneers. And the Buccaneers game, they weren't really clicking. Uh, the offense wasn't really clicking that well. And Teddy Bridgewater seemed like he was trying to still get used to the offense. Uh, so, I don't, that that, uh, that second game against Tampa might be very interesting, especially with uh, Christian McCaffrey, if he's supposed to be back. Uh, this, this Carolina offense is going to be very dangerous. It's just their defense. It's just a young defense. I think they need to develop their players, like Derek Brown, Brian, uh, Brian Burns, uh, Gross Maltos, or Moto, I, I butchered his name, the Penn State defensive end. Uh, they picked up, I think, in the second round. So, uh, they just need to develop those young pieces on the defense. They had Dante Jackson in, in his third year, the cornerback. Uh, so, they just need to develop those young pieces. And, like, you see improvement from week to week, but you would like to see a little bit more. Uh, but, they just there was positives from both sides from the game, I think. New Orleans, uh, Drew Brees can still pick apart a defense, especially when he doesn't have pressure on his back, and he still looks really good uh, doing that. Uh, and Carolina, they, they have potential. It's just more it's just more fulfilling it and getting there, which may take a, which may take another year to do. Uh, but all in all, I think, a, I think you can take pauses away from both teams in, in this game here. So we'll move on to Cleveland at Cincinnati. And yeah, uh, this was a this was an amazing game as well. The, like this week, like I said earlier, this week it just had some incredible games. Uh, so yeah, we'll start off with Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett is the defensive player of the year, hands down. He is the defensive player of the year. Uh, he had two sacks in this game, nine sacks on the season, which is first in the NFL, and he also has four forced fumbles this year, which is tied for first in the NFL. The Jew's just a baller, and it helps up. It helps out that weak secondary uh, for Cleveland, and it takes the pressure off of them a little bit, especially when he's getting back there constantly. He's creating, uh, he's creating a lot of pressures on the quarterback. The quarterback's having to scramble out of the pocket, and it just it puts a lot of pressure off the uh, off the off the. Uh, secondary for Cleveland and it just allows for them just to go out and be more aggressive I think on plays where you've seen a couple times where Cleveland had had about they could have had like three or four interceptions in this game uh, they dropped about three of them uh they obviously got the one interception on uh Joe Burrow I forgot where that was but they got the uh oh yeah it was down the goal line where Denzel Denzel Ward made an incredible play where he tipped up the ball and it got uh, intercepted by uh, who did it get intercepted by? For blanking here, uh, yeah, B.J. Goodson. Yeah, so Denzel Ward just tipped the ball up, and it uh, got intercepted on the goal line. It saved a touchdown, or same saved a touchdown or a field goal. So it just that pass rush allows for a great pass rush allows for a weak secondary to look pretty average or pretty good. Uh, and it allows them to be more aggressive playing the ball uh, because the quarterback's not going to be able to sit there and throw with great mechanics. He's going to have to rush his mechanics. So 
Uh, yeah, Miles Garrett's definitely the MVP or the MVP, the defensive player of the year this year by far. He's there's like Aaron Donald's there, but Miles Garrett's just having an incredible season. Uh, also, Baker Mayfield. Uh, he plays better without Odell. Like it sucks that Odell got injured in this game and the way he got injured. But Baker plays he plays better without Odell. It's the uh uh Matthew Stafford, Calvin Johnson effect where Calvin Johnson retired and I think we've seen better play out of Matthew Stafford uh without Calvin Johnson. Uh and I think, yeah, his first year without Calvin Johnson, he made the playoffs. And he had, like, his best season ever. So, it's one of those things where you take away the ball-dominant wide receiver. And it allows the quarterback just to read the field better uh, with great route-running wide receivers. And it allows them to spread the ball out, which opens up stuff for uh, the other wide receivers uh, as well. So, it's just one of those... Things where I think Baker just plays better without a ball dominant wide receiver. He plays better with uh, like Jarvis Landry's an All Pro wide receiver. He's a Pro Bowl wide receiver, uh, but he's not in that first tier, the elite tier. I think he's in like that second tier of wide receivers. And and Baker plays somebody uh, plays a lot better with a probably a second tier as his number one. Uh, and then maybe, and then has some average or above average wide receivers that are really good route runners, uh, that he can spread the ball out to. So Baker just, Baker plays better without a ball dominant wide receiver. And I think that shows in this game because his rookie year played phenomenal without one. And then second, and then second year has Odell played absolutely garbage. And then the first game he has without Odell, he balls out. So uh yeah just I think I think Baker's gonna have a great finish to the end of the year uh also the Cleveland run game got back on track this week uh Kareem Hunt averaged 4.2 yards a carry on how many rushes on uh 18 rushes so uh yeah he's he's he got back the uh he got uh back on track the run game got back on track and it opened some stuff up in the passing game Rashad Higgins uh, had a great 2018 season. Uh, Odell came in and he had a down year because he wasn't getting the targets. But when uh, Odell went down, he stepped up huge in this game. He stepped up really big. He had uh, six receptions for 110 yards uh, and made some incredible plays to get them down the field on a couple of those uh, touchdown drives in the second half. Uh, he's a really good wide receiver. Uh, he just needs some more reps. He's young. Uh, I think in his third year, third or fourth year. So just get him some. I think just get him used to it. Get some reps. And Baker has some really good chemistry with him. Uh, he has some amazing chemistry. Uh, Baker does with Rashad Higgins, and it, I think it shows. Uh, and uh, we'll move on to uh, the Bengals here. And Burrow, I think, played great too. He had some rookie mistakes where. There, there probably should have been like two or three interceptions where he threw directly at cornerbacks for uh, the Cleveland cornerbacks, and they just dropped the interception. So uh, I think he just needs to clean up some of that stuff. But he played phenomenal. Uh, besides those, besides those rookie mistakes, him and T. Higgins, uh, their chemistry is building up nicely. And Tyler Boyd and AJ Green, they're starting to get. Uh, build some chemistry with Burrow as well, and you're starting to see that where, uh, where, let me see here, 
their last couple of games. Yeah, where they're uh, in the Colts game last week, they put up 27 points, looked phenomenal in the first half. Just the Colts' defense decided to step up. Uh, the Jacksonville game uh, three weeks ago, they played phenomenal. Uh, so you, you're starting to see that. Kim- oh my dang! All right, my bad. I'm like, I almost dropped my phone there. Where I'm, where I'm recording on my phone, I almost dropped it. Uh, but yeah, the uh, yeah, but you're starting to see that chemistry uh, grow a little bit with uh, Burrow and his receiving core, and it's looking really nice. But the uh, offensive line needs to get better. Uh, they need to get better. Uh, what was it? They had how many hits on Joe? Let me see how many hits they had on uh, Burrow this week. They had uh, eight quarterback hits and four sacks on Joe Burrow this week. The offensive line needs to get better. They got some young pieces. They got Jonah Williams. They got uh, uh, Price from Ohio State as their center. They got some young pieces. They need to... They need to develop, or and they need to develop to develop quickly because he's taking way too many hits. He's taking way too many hits, and it's starting to show. I think a little bit where Burrow's starting to rush his mechanics. He's starting to rush some throws a little bit where he's where it's going to look like rookie mistakes where he throws a bad pass that should be it probably should be picked off, uh, and it's starting to rush him a little bit in his process and stuff, and that's not good. When you have a young quarterback, especially when everything starts to speed up, it happened with Baker last year, where the offensive line was absolute garbage, and they uh, and it sped up his process uh, process a little bit, and he made some bad decisions. So when you have a rookie quarterback, that hurts him a little bit, especially when the offensive line is playing bad. It's starting to speed up his process uh, processing of the field. And it's never it's it never ends up well. So hopefully the offensive line can get situated, and they can get and they can develop quickly, and start uh, protecting him protecting him more. And also Cincinnati's defense is a problem. Uh, they've allowed 25 points or more in the in five of the seven games. The two games that they didn't was against the Tyrod Taylor led Chargers in Week One, and then the Eagles uh, is the only games they haven't allowed 25. Or, uh, 25 uh, or more points. I, I'm pretty sure. Let me double check that real quick. But yeah, uh, the defense is an issue. Yeah, yeah, that is correct. Yeah. So yeah, they the defense is a huge issue for uh, for uh, Cincinnati, and they need to get that situated. They need an elite. They need an elite edge rusher. Uh, probably pick one up in the draft this year. And they need a playmaker on defense. Uh, maybe that can be one of the same player like a Khalil Mack or Aaron Donald. But they need somebody that can rush the passer consistently. And they need probably somebody in the secondary that can make some plays. Or in the linebacking core that can make some plays. Because they're missing that uh, that type of playmaking ability on defense. And it's hurting them. They're allowing so many points. And Joe Burrow is having to try to keep up as a rookie. And with a receiving core he's just starting to get used to. Uh, and I think that's the reason they're one and five and one at the moment is just the defense isn't good, and it's starting to show. Uh, Twenty-five points or more, you're allowing teams in five of the seven games, and the only teams you you didn't let up were uh, Tyrod Taylor, which I like Tyrod, but he it looked like he just wasn't gelling with the Chargers, especially in that Week One game. 
uh, ends the week one game too, so you can take those grain, games with like a grain of salt. And then Eagles, who statistically are one of the bottom uh, or below average offense, and Carson Wentz has been carrying them uh, through wins, through like close, uh, low scoring wins. So, like their defense, the Cincinnati defense just needs to get better. So, we'll move on to the Steelers uh, at the Titans, and this was a heck of a game. Uh, this it, this was a crazy game. I think uh, the Steelers uh, dominated. Uh, I had the Steelers winning. Uh, I think they had some uh, uh, matchup issues for Tennessee, where Tennessee is one of the worst third down uh, third down defenses in the league, and it showed in this game where the Steelers. Picked up 13 of 18 third downs, uh, and the Titans just couldn't get off the field. They could not get off the field, and and it uh, hurt them. And it hurt them in this game really, uh, really bad because uh, there's a couple drives in there where they just they just kept converting third downs. They kept moving the ball down the field. Uh, in particular, that first one where they converted one, right, one two. Three, uh, four third downs. They can work four third downs on the first drive. So it's like the Titans need to get better. They need to be more stout on defense. And uh, if they don't get to a Super Bowl, if they don't get to the AFC Championship this year, it's going to be to that. It's going to be on that defense. The offense. Uh, yes, they started out slow, but when they're when the offense is clicking, like you've seen in the last couple of weeks against the. Uh, uh, Texans and the uh, Bills. Uh, it's hard to stop them, but the defense is just allowing so many points, and they won't be able to be a team like the Chiefs, uh, the in the playoffs if their defense just can't stop anybody on third down. Uh, Chase Claypool, I think, was the biggest difference in this game. Uh, yes, he had neg- he had one catch for negative two yards. Uh, but he opened up stuff for uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, and Eric Ebron. Uh, Juju and Deontay Johnson both had nine receptions over 80 yards, and Johnson had two touchdowns, and Eric Ebron had six receptions for 50 yards. So Chase Claypool dominating in the last couple of games opened up stuff a lot for the other receivers, and this this Steelers passing game is going to be very very good, especially with uh, James Conner getting, uh, uh, averaging 4.1 yards a carry, and him, he, he, him just balling as well, so uh, just add a really good run game onto a great passing game, or lo- what looks like to be a great passing game, and the Steelers offense is going to be something special. Uh, Big Ben also got some pressure on him. Throughout the game, and it doesn't show up in the stat sheet for Tennessee because uh, they weren't able to get sacks. But big, I think the way it, you'll see a lot of these with the veteran quarterbacks, you see it with Tom Brady, uh, Philip Rivers does it uh, at times. He just makes some stupid throws uh, that gets picked off. But you see somebody like uh, like those three, Ben Rivers and uh, Brady. They move in the pocket so well. Even Drew Brees, they move in the pocket so well where they avoid sacks and they're able to get the football off and avoid sacks and avoid negative plays. 
And we see we see a lot of that from Big Ben today, especially with the uh, I forgot who he flipped the pass to, but the uh, where he was going down and he just underhanded it, flipped it up to uh, I forgot who it was. I want to say it was uh, Johnson, uh, uh, Deontay Johnson, but it was just an amazing play. Which if Pat Mahomes did that. Every like it would have been all over. It would have been all over sports and our sports media. It would have been all over ESPN, Fox. It would have been all over everything. Uh, but Ben did it. It doesn't really get shown, but it was just an amazing play. And Ben still has it. He still has it. Uh, this Steeler team is fun to watch. Uh, also, uh, the Pitts- Pittsburgh's defense got some pressure on Ryan Tannehill. T- uh, the Tennessee offensive line was has been really stout. I think they. Allow or they were bottom at least bottom five in sacks allowed, uh, but Pitt got some pressure on Tannehill. Six quarterback hits and two sacks. They got some pressure on him, uh, which was surprising a little bit. But they were able to dominate the uh, dominate in some key passing situations and get some uh, sacks on Tannehill. Uh, and just you, ten, the Steelers team is just so. It's just a great all-around team. You have a, you probably have the best defense in the league. In uh, you, the Steelers probably have the best defense in the league. Just all-around defense. They have a great passing game. They have a really good running game. They're they are just the most complete team this year, uh, and it's starting and it's showing. They they have a great shot of going sixteen and zero. They have a great shot. Uh, the Steelers do. Uh, they play the Ravens, which, uh, which uh, that's uh, that's a 50-50 game. They play them twice this year, and uh, and that I think they're probably going to lose one of those. But say if they win both of those games this year against the Ravens, this is who they have left. They have the Cowboys, uh, the Bengals, the Jaguars, which all three of those are most likely wins. Uh, they got the, uh, they got the Washington football team, which that's most likely a win. They're, they're going to face the Bills, which it's at Buffalo. That's going to be a 50-50 game. It's going to be a tough physical game. It's, uh, which I can see them pulling it out, especially with Josh Allen's, uh, uh, I guess decline starts to show a little bit more. Uh, and then they face the Bengals one more time, the Colts, which they've been historically good against the Colts, uh, and the Browns again, which I think they're, they'll probably beat the Browns again. Or, But they got maybe, if so, three losses, maybe to the Browns, the Bills, and probably one to the Ravens. But they have a great shot at going 16-0, and especially if they can beat uh, the Ravens twice this year. They have a great shot at it. They got an easy schedule. Uh, they're facing some weak teams, and they're probably and they're the, and they're the best all-around team. So the Steelers, just watch out. If they beat uh, Baltimore next week at Baltimore, they have a great shot at going. They have a great shot at going sixteen to zero. They really do. They have a great shot at it. Uh, but going on Tennessee, they need to get the run game going. This is the most annoying thing. That Tennessee does here, uh, they were not getting the run game going uh, at all. Uh, a lot of their drives that involved the run game was the first touchdown drive, uh, the uh, which 
the AJ Brown pass at the beginning of the second half, uh, the, like the seventy yard, uh, like the seventy yard uh, touchdown pass, was set up by a play action play uh, at the beginning of the half where teams are you're trying to figure out what the what the adjustments are uh, that uh, Sewers are trying to figure out what the adjustments uh, Tennessee was doing. Uh, and uh, the run, the run game set up a play action, uh, seventy yard touchdown to AJ Brown, uh, and also on the uh, la- their last touchdown drive, they ran the ball really well, and it set up a lot of uh, great passing situations. Tennessee needs to needs to be ground and pound and play out the play action. Uh, just I, they work better like that. Tannehill is not a quarterback where. You want him sitting back, and you want him getting in a passing duel with somebody. And I think they uh, they did that last year against Kansas City in the uh, AFC Championship, where the run game wasn't going early, but they kind of abandoned it, and they started passing the ball and trying to get into a track meet with the Chiefs. And the Tennessee's just not a team that's going to do that. Uh, in the passing game, they can probably do it again to a track meet with their running game, but they're not going to. They're, but they're not going to do it in the passing game, uh, and it's, and it cost them in this game because they got them down early in this game. It got them down early in the Texans game last week, uh, but Texans are a lot worse than the Steelers, so they were they were able to come back on the Texans. The uh, and the Steelers is just a way better team. And they couldn't come back on them, so just they need to they need to stop playing around with these uh, trying to get into these track meets and start and trying to be pass happy with this team. Uh, they are uh, what's his name Arthur Smith I think it is the OC for the uh, Titans. Let me uh, let me see here real quick. I think it's Arthur Smith. Yeah, Arthur Smith is uh, the OC for the Titans. He needs to stop playing around with his pass happy stuff and needs to start running the football and start just doing what works. Play at, uh, run the football, play out the play action. That's what they need to do uh, if they want to win a Super Bowl this year. Uh, also, the defense. And I know I was harping on the defense earlier uh, when I was talking about the Steelers, but the one thing the Titans defense does well is they create turnovers. They create a lot of turnovers. Uh, they are the, I think, the third tie for third and most takeaways this year. They have the best uh, turnover differential in the league with the plus nine. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons made a great play uh, and took the ball, forced an interception to get a uh, short field, which led to a Tennessee field goal. And uh, and uh, yeah, and also on that filler drive, guess what? Tennessee threw the ball three times in a row, and they didn't move the ball at all. So it, it just shows you uh, how the, how much the Tennessee really needs the run game to get going. Uh, and then on the last drive that set up the potential game tying field goal that Goskowski missed, uh, Jalen or Jalen Jayon Brown, uh, their middle linebacker. Uh, made a great play on Juju uh, Smith-Schuster where he covered him down a seam on a seam route. He covered him all the way, got the ball tipped up in the air, and then got intercepted in the uh, end zone. And it was just a phenomenal play. He's one of those linebackers like a Roquan Smith where 
he's very fast, and he can cover wide receivers at times. That's how fast he is. Uh, and he and it showed on that play. He made a he made a fantastic play. Got uh, caused an interception, uh, and it gave him a shot to just tie the game with a field goal, which Oskowski missed. But it just it's Tennessee needs to. I think this game is more telling about Tennessee than it is uh, the Steelers. The Steelers, because I think we we've seen what the Steelers are. They they're they're just a great all around team. They have a great passing game, a great running game. Their defense is probably the best defense in the league. But Tennessee, I think this is very telling what they need to do. They need it to be a run first team and then play out the play action. Even if the run game isn't getting going uh, in the first part of the game, they need to stick with it. They need to wear down the opposing defense and they, they need to start playing. Uh, and their passing game needs to be played off of that in the play action game. Uh, and I think this is a very telling. Uh, a game of what Tennessee needs to be doing if they want to win the Super Bowl. So we'll move on to uh, Tampa Bay at Las Vegas. And the biggest thing I took away from this game is I uh, with Tampa Bay's defense is a really or the run defense is the best in the league. Is a great is a great front seven that they got there. They they got Levante David. They got Devin White, uh, Ndamukong Sue, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul. Uh, I think I'm blanking on somebody. Uh, Shaquille Barrett uh, and blanking on the other D tackle. I know uh, Vita Vega injured, and I'm blanking on the uh, other defensive tackle that they have. But they they got a great front seven, and that's why they're the best running defense in the league. They uh, held J- uh, Josh Jacobs to 1.7 yards per carry, and it, uh, the rest of the Raiders team to 3.2 yards per carry. So they're they're stopping the run. It helped them win the game. I think it was this was huge in them winning the game because uh, the Raiders weren't able to get going. They were forced to not chew up the clock. They were forced to ha- make some big plays and put the ball back in Tom Brady's hands fairly quickly. Uh, a lot of these uh, touchdown drives by uh, the Raiders were quick touchdown drives. Where, uh, let me see here. Yeah, so the first touchdown drive was three minutes. Their uh, second one was four minutes, and then uh, obviously their field goal drives were. I think. Let me see here real quick. Yeah, four minutes, almost five minutes, and then uh, almost six minutes. So they had. Uh, so a lot of their jobs were pretty quick, and they got Brady back on the field, and you don't want to do that with the, especially with the offense like Tampa and the way Raiders defense, the way the Raiders defense is structured, uh, where they're not going to be able to win a track meet, especially with the uh, weak secondary that the Raiders have. Uh, and it just, I think it hurt them because. Uh, they're not able to chew clock with the run game. They're not. They're not able to waste clock. Keep Brady on the sideline. Keep Brady stiff. Uh, they were. They were forced to make some big plays in the past game. Score quickly. Get Brady back on the field with a uh, warmed up arm and a in uh, a team that was just clicking on all cylinders this week. Uh, also, uh, I'm still not completely sold on Tom Brady yet. I know everybody's loving these uh, games by him, but. Uh, he's only had two really great games. It was the Chargers, who which they won the game because uh, Josh Ke- uh, Joshua Kelly fumbled 
on the two-yard line and set up the Buccaneers for a touchdown right before half. That was the difference in the game. It was the difference in the game. Uh, and I don't think the Buccaneers win that game without that. Uh, and also the Raiders, who have a weak secondary. They're, they're a very young secondary, but they're very weak. And he just dominated them. He's just able to pick them apart. And uh, a lot of the skill position players were uh, just getting... Uh, their skill position players were one of the best uh, set in the league. at Mike Evans, uh, Chris Godwin. Scotty Miller looks really good. Uh, looks like the new... He reminds me of Danny Amendola a little bit. Fast, can catch, really good route runner. He reminds me of Amy, uh, Danny Amendola a little bit. Uh, and uh, they're just a very... Raiders have just have a very weak secondary. So I would like to see more from Brady. Uh, last week against the Packers, it was more uh, the run game for Tampa that got them going and got them down in positions to score. But... I will say this, though. Uh, Brady had some great passes in there, especially the uh, Scotty Miller and the uh, deep ball right before half. That was a beautiful touchdown pass uh, to him. So he still has those plays in him, but they're not as consistent as you want them to be. Uh, and it's, and you just wish you'd see a little bit more consistency against better defenses. Uh but it's it's a good sign though that the that they're starting to click a little bit. Uh, also, I'm not sold on Gronk yet. Everybody's uh, getting hyped over Gronk having two good games, but I think we have to put it in the context. Uh, both the Raiders and the Packers uh, linebacking cores are both weak. They're not very good in coverage, and Gronk was able to shred them. And I think it showed in this game. Uh, Nick Kukowski, former Bears linebacker. Very, he's a great run stopper. He's a very, he's very poor in pass coverage, uh, and Gronk was able to dominate him. Uh, also, the Packers they lost Blake Martinez and B.J. Goodson, uh, and both their starting linebackers from last year, and they uh, struggled. Uh, and they're they've been struggling in that linebacking core a little bit this year. And Gronk was able to dominate them. So I think we have to put it in the context. It's just matchup problems for the team that they were facing. Just matchup problems uh, that the Buccaneers exploited, which is honestly, it's a lot of positives there because uh, Bruce Arians and Tom Brady both are starting to uh, click together. They're starting to recognize what they're uh, seeing. They're starting to develop a chemistry together where they're, where they're like, we need to attack these, these certain part of these defenses and that's how we're going to win this game. And that's how Tampa Bay won this game. They got uh, they had some mismatches in the secondary with uh, Chris Godwin, uh, with Scotty Miller and uh, Chris Godwin, with their speed and their route running. And in the uh, linebacking core, Rob Gronkowski had a lot of mismatches that he was able to dominate the whole game. Uh, Uh, also, the one thing I'll say this last concerning thing about Tampa is Mike Evans. Uh, he made a great play. He got a PI call that got uh, Tampa Bay in the field goal range. I think it uh, was ended up being one of their touchdowns. Uh, I think it was the one where Tom Brady rode uh, rode to the right side and threw a laser to uh, uh, I forgot who it was. Uh, 
I think it was Chris Godwin, yeah. So he threw a laser to Chris Godwin in the back of the end zone. Uh, it was, I think it was that drive where Mike Evans drew a penalty, got them into that range. But he was upset. You could tell he was upset. He kind of he was like pounding a little bit, like a seemed like a little child, where he was just pouting that he wasn't getting the football, that he wasn't getting the targets, and that could be a big situation, especially with AB, who has the same issues where he doesn't get the ball, he pouts, uh, and acts like a little leaguer. So we'll we'll see what that develops into. And if both of them aren't getting targets, there could be some dysfunction uh, with their receiving core, and it could turn and it could make a lot of turmoil and could turn the locker room uh, into something bad because uh, it, they're very big. Both Mike Evans and Antonio Brown are very big personalities, uh, and both of them get upset when they don't get the football. So there could be there could be some issues uh, that could be. Brewing in Tampa, uh, especially with those two. So we'll, uh, so we'll see, uh, we'll see how that develops. But uh, also, one last thing about this game, I wish John Gruden would get and Derek Carr both would get Henry Ruggs more involved in this game, just especially in the short passing game, uh, because he can break these short, she's short routes, these slant routes. He can break them for uh, six at any moment. Also, they set up double moves. Where you could you, we could go in, you could fake a slant, you could fake a curl, and then do a double move, get down deep, uh, beat the cornerback. Especially if you're not a polished route runner, which he's not a very polished route runner. He's very fast. He uses his speed to get open, but he's not a very polished route runner. And double moves usually help with uh, those young receivers, where they uh, it just allows them to get open uh, and get them downfield and get them some big plays. Uh, but three targets just isn't enough for him. It isn't enough. And they need to get him more involved in the offense. And I think it would open up a lot more stuff for the Raiders. So we'll move on to uh, the 49ers uh, at New England. And this is, uh, I'll I, I say it's New England's woes have been on Josh McDaniels and not Bill Belichick. Uh, the offense looks absolutely atrocious. Uh, the last three games, they've only scored two touchdowns. And uh, one of those came in garbage time against Denver. And it, it, the offense just looks absolutely atrocious. The defense has played great. Excuse me there for a second. Uh, but the defense has absolutely looked great. They had one bad game uh, this week against San Francisco, and that was it. They played Kansas City extremely well. They played Denver extremely well. Their offense it just isn't scoring the football. Uh, Cam Newton's shoulder is looking to be an issue. It is looking to be a huge issue. Uh, he's literally throwing the ball in the dirt. There was a curl route I think Amendola, Amendola did. Or not Amendola, my bad, Edelman did. It was like a little eight-yard curl route on a third down. Would have been a completion of first down. They would have been moving the change. Uh, chains, but he threw it in the dirt. There, there's something wrong with Cam Newton's shoulder uh, that we don't that they're not going to show that they're not going to show us, and it's hurting the team. It is hurting the team. It is, and also the interception before half, the overthrow. Uh, forgot who it was to. Uh, maybe it was uh, J- Jacoby Myers, but it was 
just a terrible uh, overthrow. Absolutely terrible. And it got intercepted before half. It took away any type of scoring opportunity that they could have gotten there. And it, it's just awful. Uh, I think they need to put Jared Stidham in and let Jared Stidham grow. Because I think Jared Stidham's looked pretty solid uh, when he's been in. And especially with uh, New England. Uh, th- and this is where I say it's on Josh McDaniels. All right, New England... Is sixth in the league. Uh, they average five yards a carry. They are sixth in the league. They need to get the run game going. They need to allow Jarrett Stenham, which I think they should start Jarrett Stenham. They need to allow him to play off of play action, and it will definitely open stuff up in the offense. Uh, they they need to start doing, and they have the uh, they have the players to do that with. They have great route runners. Uh, good, or not great. They have a great route runner in Edelman, which he'd get open constantly in that system, like AJ Brown does in Tennessee. Uh, and it just opened up stuff for the receiving game and the passing game a little bit. But uh, but Jared Stem, he just looks comfortable in the system. He looks comfortable in the offense. The offense is moving the ball down the field. He did it last week. He threw an interception, forcing a pass this week. He threw an interception in Kansas City forcing the pass uh, in that game. So I would like to see Jared Stenum just play a full game uh, and to where he's not being forced to force passes down the field and throw interceptions. Because uh, I think he looks really good. Uh, besides trying to force those passes, I think he looks very good. He looks very comfortable in the system. He looks comfortable moving the ball down the field. Uh, on San Francisco side, uh, Kyle Shanahan has been brilliant. They have been uh he has he's absolutely brilliant. He's a brilliant play caller. Uh and play designer. There uh one of the touchdowns to Kyle Uchek, the handoff to him, I think was an incredible play. There was like a he handed off to Kyle Uchek and then had Jimmy Garoppolo act like he was going to do a stretch uh to I forgot who the running back was at the time, but he was uh acting like he was doing a stretch to him. And it just opened up the, uh, it just opened up for Kyle Juszczyk to have a one-on-one with a full, uh, with a linebacker, and he beat him and got a touchdown, uh, or overpowered him and got the touchdown. And it just the way he calls up uh, plays, the way he designs plays off of, uh, uh, well, the way he designs. Uh, so they they do they like to do a lot of outsides. Uh, outside zone runs and it sets up a lot of uh, it's very similar to the Rams where they sets up a lot of play action and sets up a lot of uh, bootlegs that get them uh, going on offense a little bit and literally the same play uh, a little outside run that could turn into uh, five or ten different plays for Kyle Shanahan that's just how brilliant he is uh just as a play caller and a play designer, he's just absolutely a brilliant offensive mind. Uh, and the 49ers should not take him for granted. He's been absolutely brilliant. And what he's doing with the running backs that he's had to go through, uh, he makes any running back look like an all-pro player. He really does. Uh, and I like the mentality, uh, the running back mentalities that he gets. He gets running backs that have a chip on their shoulder. They weren't drafted or they were drafted late. And they're well, and they're trying to prove something. So they run downhill. They're very physical. They 
love to pick up yardage. They're hard to get down, and most of them are track athletes, so they're extremely fast. So, uh, it's I love the philosophy he gets with his running backs. Uh, that he when he goes down and gets a running back, that's what he gets, and it just opens stuff up a lot for that passing game. And Jeff Wilson had a great day. Unfortunately, he got injured, uh, but Hasty took over, and it looked the four hours didn't even miss a beat. Uh, and also Jimmy Jimmy G looked very comfortable in the pocket. Uh, he looks Jimmy G looks like he's back, uh, and he's starting to connect with the the wide receivers. Brandon Ayuk, uh, they're starting to get him more involved in the offense, which is nice to see. Uh, really good route runner. He had uh, yeah six receptions, 115 yards. He's very fast. Really good route runner, uh, and him and Debo Samuel could be a dangerous pairing. Uh, on the outside to have George Kittle as a tight end. They could be a very dangerous uh, trio there uh, in the passing game for uh, uh, for San Francisco. So just a... Uh, like they got, they got a good young uh, receiving core and a good young skill set there. They just I think they need to develop them. Let Jimmy G get comfortable with them. Let him get uh, healthy with his ankle. And it looks healthy... Uh, it's looked really healthy the last two weeks, and he looks he looks like he's back. He looks like he's more comfortable. So, 49ers look like they can be making a push back into the playoffs. So, just a, I think a really good win by uh, this is a really good win by uh the 49ers, and I think the Patriots the blame falls on Josh McDaniels for I think just poor play calling, uh, and not knowing, and not. I don't think not knowing his skill set on offense, where they I think they should be running the football instead of uh, trying to be a pass happy team. So I would like to see them just run the football more, be a run a similar style of offense to what Tennessee runs. Uh, that's what I would like to see from New England, and I think they can do that with Jared Stem. Jared Stem, I think, looks better than Cam at this moment, and I think a lot of that has to do with Cam's shoulder just looks really bad and it's making him throw some terrible passes so uh i'm gonna take a break here and then i'll get into the last two games the arizona and seattle game and the bears and the rams game so i'll be back here in a sec hey and i'm back and uh we'll get into the seattle and arizona game and this to me this is the best game of the year this is by far the best game of the year this was an amazing game uh russell and kyler played phenomenal they were unbelievably good they they look like obviously Russell Wilson's the MVP candidate uh which I wish they like I wish it wouldn't be a quarterback award because uh, I think there's uh maybe a couple defensive players like Miles Jad that could win it this year uh Russell Wilson hasn't had the best two weeks uh especially with him turning the ball over but he besides that he played phenomenal uh, so did Kyler. Kyler's looking more and more like a number one overall, or the first overall pick in the draft. Uh, he's just getting, it looks like he's just finally starting to get into a rhythm. Uh, but Arizona's defense, uh, didn't really play bad against Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson was just, that he's incredible. He is incredible at what he does. Uh, he literally, he's probably the best at putting in, putting it where his receiver can get it. Only where, uh, He's probably the best at putting it where only his receiver can get it. Uh, both uh, locket touchdowns, uh, or actually all three of them, 
were absolutely beautiful passes. Were absolutely beautiful passes. He, uh, uh, no, my bad, my bad. Not the, uh, the two, the two, uh, locking touchdowns, the last two, and then the first play of the game where he just threw it. Lockett was able to get the one handed catch. Beautiful pass, uh, in tight coverage. The, uh, the touchdown over two defenders, he just placed it so beautifully in to, uh, in between two defenders and Lockett caught it for a touchdown. And then the third one at the back of the end zone put it up to where Lockett could barely get his feet both in down, uh, both inbounds. Just phenomenal throws. Phenomenal. Uh, and Kyler was doing the same thing too. Uh, a couple of those, a couple of those throws to DeAndre Hopkins were actually absolutely beautiful. He had uh, he had one to Christian Kirk that was a touchdown that he was just able to pop it up over the defense, and uh, Christian Kirk was able to toe tap it in the back of the end zone. Like they're basically the same quarterback. Both of them escaped so many sacks in the game and were able to create stuff uh, off of those missed sacks and push the ball down the field. Both of them are. They're very similar. You're literally looking at a, uh, they're almost like a, it's like a son and a, it's like a uh, father and son situation where Russell Wilson's the father and Kyler Murray's the son and they're playing against each other. They look like they're both of them are smaller quarterbacks. Both of them are incredibly mobile or very fast. Both of them played baseball. Uh, they have a very similar throwing motion. And both of them, I don't think anybody can do what they do uh, with the football. Uh, Pat Mahomes is incredible, uh, but uh, would place it in in the c- certain spots. But I think Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson do it probably better than anybody in the league. Uh, and Kyler Murray's just still getting better at doing that because there's a little bit. There's sometimes there's inconsistencies when he throws it, but once he starts getting better and starts getting into a rhythm and starts uh, uh, getting his mechanics a little bit better, uh, he's going to be in that. Him and him and Russell are going to be the best, uh, probably the two best uh, accurate quarterbacks or the most accurate quarterbacks in the league. Uh, also, Tyler Lockett, uh, he's so underrated. He's so underrated. Uh, he's probably the best toe-tapper in the league. Uh, probably he's one of the best contested catchers, and he has elite speed. He can, he can burn any defense. He's just a phenomenal. He is a phenomenal player. And then you can, and then you add him up with DK Metcalf with DK Metcalf's speed, size, and catching ability. Uh, virtually he could be the next Calvin Johnson. He really could. He could be the next Calvin Johnson. DK Metcalf can. So you got. You get somebody like Tyler Lockett. You probably got the next Calvin Johnson and DK Metcalf, and you probably got the best wide receiving duo in the NFL, or at least the top, or at least they're the top three wide receiving duo in the NFL. They're absolutely phenomenal. They're, they are absolutely phenomenal. Then you add Russell Wilson throwing it to him, it just makes it all the better. And that's why you see Seattle's offense just be so fluid. Uh, even uh, and like and the run game is good as well. The run game is really good as well. Uh, and I wish they would have done more in this game and chewed up clock uh, a little bit more in this game because uh, Carlos Hyde had 68 yards on a 4.4 or 4.5 average, and Chris Carson had three or 34 yards for a 6.8 uh, average. And I wish they would just run the football more. Were able to chew the clock, and uh, that 
I think that's one of the reasons they did lose this game. They didn't want. They didn't shoot the clock. They were just a. They looked like they were trying to still beat them in the track meet at the end of the game instead of trying to chew clock and get into a four minute or six minute offense where they chewed so much of the clock up. They were still trying to be in a track meet with Arizona with Arizona, and it hurt them at the end of the game. Uh, also, Russell Wilson just adds so much to that running game as well with his scrambling ability. And he had some really good uh, pulls on the read option that uh, got some big yardage as well. So it's just Seattle offense is, I, I said Pitt's maybe the best all I think Pitt has the best all-around offense. But I think Seattle's up there with uh, up there with Pittsburgh. And then Kansas City, I think Andrew Reid has, uh, has a lot to do with Kansas City. And I think they can struggle a little bit with uh, protecting the quarterback. And their pass game hasn't been the same this year with uh, Pat Mahomes. And he's he looks, he's looked a little bit off uh, throughout the year. So that's why I don't really have uh, Kansas City up in the top two there. But they're probably third or fourth Kansas City has been. But Seattle and Pitt, that would be an amazing Super Bowl. That would be an absolutely amazing Super Bowl. Uh, a rematch from, uh, I think, Super Bowl forty. Where uh, Ben won his first Super Bowl, so that would just be that would be an incredible game there. But uh, on Arizona here, Buda Baker, that was an incredible interception he had. The way he read that will route uh, was it was uh, that was just a phenomenal phenomenal play. That was an elite level instinct that he had there, elite level. Uh, awareness that he had he went over intercepted the pass read it beautifully and then DK Metcalf this single play almost won Seattle the game uh he that was absolutely uh it saved a touchdown because then they then Arizona goes four and out uh literally four straight plays doesn't get anything uh on the eight yard line and Turn and turnover on down. So just an amazing play by DK Metcalf, just running down the sideline and hawking Buda Baker. Who Buda Baker is pretty fast in his own right, but DK Metcalf is just—he's something else. He is something else. Uh, and then Kyle Murray's heroics in the game. Uh, he just played phenomenal. He was able to use his feet on a couple of them. He was able to get the ball uh, down the field and get it down quickly and. I'll, I'll say this, Larry, uh, Larry, I almost said Larry Bird, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, the, uh, when he grabbed the football, he kept grabbing the football away from the other players and getting the ball back to the line of scrimmage was extremely intelligent because then it, uh, then it creates a situation where the refs are forced to call a uh, delay game or unsportsmanlike, uh, or unsportsmanlike call on Seattle where they're trying to keep the whoever caught the ball on the ground, so the time runs off. Uh, and Larry Fitzgerald completely—that's the way to beat that is. If you get that ball set, and the Seattle player is holding the Arizona player down, there's going to be a penalty there. So it forces them to get up off the uh, Arizona player, and it forces them to be able to get a spike quickly. So Larry Fitzgerald—he just—he's on another level uh, with his intelligence. He's just on another level. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it just, and also I'll say so about, 
Uh, Kyle Murray and D-Hop's D connection is starting to get better. It's starting to feel a lot smoother, and they're coming together. And it's looking really good. It's looking amazing. Uh, also, Arizona's defense didn't even play bad. It was more Russell Wilson just played phenomenal. Uh, he made some tight coverage throws. Uh, he was able to... Uh, he made some nice plays. The three interceptions were some some nice... Uh, some really some nice plays uh by Buda Baker. I forgot who the oh man, I forget, I'm forgetting who the other one was too. Uh let me see here real quick. The other one was a miscommunication, the one in the uh Alright, so yeah, so yeah, the Patrick Peterson one, that was just a beautiful I think Russell Wilson was trying to throw it away and he didn't put enough uh stuff on the ball and he uh they get it out of bounds and Patrick Peterson made an incredible toe tap. They're on the they're in the end zone to get an interception and then uh in the uh overtime just Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett just they it was just a miscommunication. I think Russell Wilson after the uh penalty, uh the DK or the DJ Moore not DJ Moore, uh David Moore uh holding penalty that took back DK Metcalf's touchdown. Uh I think Russell Wilson was trying to get the ball out quickly and get them in a convertible fourth down situation because you never want to play for a tie. You never want to play for a tie. And I think he was just I think they were going to go for it on Seattle was going to go for it on fourth down uh in overtime there and it just happened to turn into an interception. I think they were I think Russell was trying to get it quickly, get a quick uh 8 yards or something to make it like a second and 12 or whatever it was, uh second and 12, second and 10. And have a convertible, or my bad, fourth and twelve, fourth and ten, and have a convertible fourth down, uh, where Russell Wilson just thrives in those type of moments, and it just happened to be a miscommunication. Isaiah Simmons came over and intercepted it, and just, it was just a great play. Uh, also, Arizona's defense uh, on that third and one, uh, Tanner uh, Vallejo, I think how you say his name, number fifty-one, made a fantastic play. Uh, he saw it was an outside uh, zone run that they were trying to pick up the first down with, and he went directly to the hole uh, that Carlos Hyde was running through, and he just made an incredible play and stopped him and forced a punt there, and then Kyle Murray goes down and gets the tying field goal to send in the overtime, and then obviously the rest is history. They end up winning it. So Tanner Vallejo, I think that's how you say his name, probably made the play of the game. He made the play of the game. He read the hole. And he was able to uh, get through it pretty quickly, and then stop uh, Carlos Hyde from getting the first down. So just a, it was a beautiful play. That was a beautiful play, probably the play of the game. It was probably the play of the game, and it set up Arizona to be able to go down and get a game time field goal, and then win the game in overtime. This game was just amazing. It had everything you wanted. It had great defense. It had great offense. It had some incredible plays. Uh, in the game as well, so just this is the game of the year. Uh, that was the game of the year, and now we're going to go to Monday Night Football, and this game was absolutely atrocious. It was absolutely awful. Uh, Matt Nagy, like he needs to let go of play calling. I said this a couple weeks ago. Uh, he needs to let go of play calling, uh, or he's going to get fired. It's one of the two because the defense. Uh, my voice right there. My bad. The defense. Uh, uh, 
needs to get uh, like they need to get some help. They really do. Uh, the Bears had a situation where I think uh, five out of the first or two out of the five first half drives that they had, two of them went under a minute long. Uh, two of those drives accumulated only two minutes of game time, and that's just awful. That's awful, and that comes down to play calling. And obviously, the offensive line uh, looked really bad in this game, but the uh, majority of that comes down to bad play calling. Uh, the fourth down, uh, jet sweep the Patterson, which he's how many times does he freaking run that play and it doesn't work? Like it was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. This this game is on Matt Nagy. This game is on Matt Nagy. And then you had Brian Greasy after the game saying Nick Foles has to change the play in the huddle uh, to get the ball out quicker because uh, Matt Nagy's calling two long developing plays with a terrible offensive line, and he doesn't want to get hit, so he's trying. So he has to change the play to a quicker pass play, and it's uh, and I think that tells you something. Uh, I think that tells you something, uh, that Matt Nagy should not be calling the plays. He should not be calling the plays at all. Uh, and it's, it's off the offense in the game. The team, the Bears just did not look prepared to play this game. All right. They, they did not look prepared. They haven't looked prepared the whole season. Uh, literally talent has literally drugged them through wins this year. All five of their wins, their talent has drugged them to a win. All right. The Bears just don't look prepared. On the offense or defensive side of the football, and a lot of that has to go to Matt Nagy because his teams look sloppy. They win sloppy, and their losses are just absolutely atrocious because they can't get anything going. The Colts game and the and this game here are absolutely garbage. They can't get anything going on the offensive end, and that has to do with Matt Nagy. It's absolutely atrocious. Uh, Foles also he needs to stop forcing stuff. I know. Uh, I know he gets put in a terrible situation with a bad offensive line, uh, but he needs to not th- force that red zone uh, interception. And then if he doesn't, there uh, the Bears are probably down seven with two minutes to go after the uh, Eddie Jackson touchdown. I think Khalil Mack forced the fumble and the fu- uh, with the touchdown by Eddie Jackson. The Bears are down by seven on a two-minute drill, uh, and he doesn't have to force that pass to. The- get intercepted uh, by Jalen Ramsey there at the end of the... I think it was Jalen Ramsey at the end of the game. So, like, the Bears had had a chance to win this game. Uh, their talent almost brung them to a win. It's It, it comes down to Matt Nagy, all right? They're, it comes down to Matt Nagy. The Bears' talent almost pulled through again this week. They had they had a position to win this game. Again, uh, win this game. It flows us to throw an interception there to get a touchdown. Or, uh, and he doesn't have to force stuff on that last two-minute drive. So, just the Bears are, like, they just don't look prepared on any game that they play. They don't look prepared at all. Uh, they, they, need a, they need to revamp the offensive line as well. Four sacks, eight quarterback hits, and that doesn't even account for the pressures that he had. He was pressured the whole game. And there was a couple times where the Bears had... Probably like an 80 yard, 70 yard touchdown to uh, Mooney. And foes are getting rushed, and he just has to throw it up to a spot. And hopefully, Mooney can go under, get underneath the ball and uh, get a touchdown or, or be able just to catch it. But he overthrew him on a couple of those because 
he was getting rushed and he was getting hit immediately as soon as he hiked the football. So, it... Ah, man, it's just... The Bears just look unprepared. This loss falls on Matt Nagy. It falls on Matt Nagy, and it falls on Ryan Pace as well for not getting better offensive linemen by not getting... Uh, the offensive line was an issue coming into the season. Uh, and... Like, Lindo and Massey played horrible in 2019. And you thought that they would get players that would uh, be competition to them to make them play better, to make them get better, but they didn't. And they've been absolutely atrocious. He has no time on the edge. Uh, Lindo and Massey both look absolutely terrible against average edge rushers. They look absolutely terrible against them. Leonard Floyd is an average edge rusher. He's a great run stopper. Uh, which is weird about his size, but he's just an average edge rusher. And Massey and Leno both got destroyed by him the whole game. Uh, uh, Rashad Cowan does not know how to pass off a defensive lineman. Uh, they were doing uh, the Rams were just doing stunts the whole game, and Rashad Cowan, instead of passing his defensive lineman off to. Uh, to Cody Whitehair or Jermaine Effetti. Uh he instead just kept with his player, and they opened up a hole to where Aaron Donald just was able to get a lot of pressure on Nick Foles. Uh, they, they need to switch up. They probably need to put Alex Bars in, uh, second-year player out of Notre Dame. Uh, he was undrafted. He was pretty solid at Notre Dame. Uh, he's been actually okay. Uh, he played really good. Uh, I think it was in the Colts game. Uh, not the the uh, Tampa Bay game. Once uh, he got settled in, uh, after Via Vey destroyed him on the, I think it was his first play in there. He destroyed him. We had a sack on Nick Foles, uh, but the rest of the game he settled down and played well. So they need to put Alex Bars, I think, back in the offensive line, uh, offensive starting line, and re, uh, replace Coward with him, or replace uh, replace Coward with Bars, and I think the offensive line will look a lot better. But it's just, it's just a little. I think it's one of those things that. You might not notice that might actually improve the offensive line. That the Bears actually might make a might make a change there this week. Uh, but the Bears defense, like I said earlier, the talent on the Bears defense kept them in this game. Uh, the talent on the Bears offense kept them in this game enough to where they were they had a chance to win the game at the end. They had the chance, uh, and it's just they were they were poorly prepared for this game. Sean McVay. Uh, just out coached him, out prepared Matt Nagy for this game. Uh, he got uh, and Sean McVay, I think, just had a great game plan. He got a lot of uh, he got the linebackers out of position a lot. Uh, he had uh, I think his name is Josh Reynolds. I want to say it's Josh Reynolds. Uh, they're big, yeah, Josh Reynolds, yeah, they're big physical wide receiver. They like if you watch Carl Fuller against big physical wide receivers, he struggles against them. Really bad. He struggles against them. Uh, and Sean McVay was like, we're going to attack him with Josh Reynolds in the first half. And that's what they did. They attacked uh, Kyle Fuller with Josh Reynolds a lot in this game. And it opened stuff up in the run game. Because then the linebackers are more thinking pass. And then you get some motions in there. And Sean McVay just out. He outcoached Matt Nagy in this game. Uh, and Chuck Pagano both. He outcoached both of them. And it was just a, it was a great game by Sean McVay. It was a great game to, to prove that he's still a great coach. It was just to prove he was just, just still a great coach. Uh, the running game, 
uh, they were just running opposite side of Hicks and Mack, where uh, I think Mix and ha- uh, uh, Hicks and Khalil Mack both line up on the left. Uh, they line up on the same side majority of the time, and uh, they create better pass rushing opportunities for both of them. And it forced uh, Robert Quinn, Bilal Nichols, and Mario Edwards to make plays, and they couldn't. They couldn't, and the Rams offensive line absolutely destroyed them. Uh, also, last thing I'm saying about this game is Johnny Hecker was the MVP. He was the MVP. He had five punts in this game, and five, all five went inside the 20, and at least three or four of them went inside the 10-yard line. Uh, he's absolutely phenomenal. He's the best player in the league, and that's what a good punter does. The Bears were started, I think probably their average starting field position was probably around the, like, uh, probably backed up on their, uh, let me see, on their, probably like backed up on their 15-yard line. They had to go 85 yards about every drive to score a touchdown, and Johnny Hecker did a lot of that, and he, he's just a phenomenal He's just a phenomenal punter. He is. He is a phenomenal punter. Uh, and honestly, he, he was the biggest difference in the game, I think, because the Bears were able to get some stuff going at times, but they had a long field to drive. And Johnny Hecker just made the difference in the game, I think. I think he was the biggest difference in the game. Him and uh, Matt Nagy not being prepared at all. So, yeah, thank, uh, that wraps it up there. But thank you all for listening. I know this one li- went a little bit longer. Uh it's just a great week of football, and uh, just thank you all for listening. Uh, make sure to like it, uh, rate it five stars, uh, comment, and uh, share it with anybody if you enjoyed it. Uh, and also, if you have some criticism, uh, I would love to. I love to hear it. I love to uh, get better and uh, listen to what y'all have to say to allow me to get better and to allow y'all to enjoy the uh podcast just a little bit more so uh once again thank you all for listening and i will see y'all next time bye